Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the weight management call. This is Granny D. Dorcas Smith out of Plymouth, Michigan, wishing you a happy good morning, and remember to stay safe and wash your hands. And if you can stay quiet and home, do it. And if you can keep your six feet apart, do it. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. What a change in our lives in a month, in three months. All right. So this is our weight management call for TR90 and Body Burn 30. And we have all kinds of different views as to what we're looking at. Some people look at the food. Some people look at how the program runs. I am very much into the metacognition of this program, which is thinking about thinking and therefore thinking about how to be healthy and well and thinking about exercise. And I've been reading to you from Go Wild, John Rady, MD, and Richard Manning. In Go Wild, eat fat, run free, be social, and follow evolution's other rules for total health and well-being. Now, if you remember when I was talking a couple of weeks ago, um, Sue Carter was worried about the oxytocin doses that infants get or that moms get upon having their um, upon getting ready for birth, and she was worried about uh, how the oxytocin, which immediately goes to the baby, and based on that research, showed how young voles given nasal doses of oxytocin, had weird relationships as adults. In other words, because the voles got a super spray of oxytocin when they were little, they built up a resistance to it. Therefore, when they became adults, their own oxytocin levels were not high enough, and then they ended up having weird relationships. Her explanation as a down-regulation Her explanation was a down-regulation of receptors. That is, the vole's bodies still produced oxytocin, but the brain had adjusted to the excess by turning down the sensitivity of special cells that detect the signals, thus down-regulation. Sterling identifies this as a key mechanism in alleostasis, the body's ability to adjust to variations in the environment, a recalibration of its instruments. His paper on this says, thus, when blood glucose is persistently elevated and triggers persistent secretion of insulin, insulin receptors eventually start to anticipate high insulin and they downregulate the system learns that blood glucose is supposed to be high. This is the smoking gun for for insulin resistance. The very issue that lies at the heart of our worst health problems, like obesity, diabetes, and heart disease. It is our body's collective response to a long-term change in the conditions of life wrought by industrial agriculture and processed food. Yet, wrapped in this sort of adaptation for change is the mechanism for growth, and it too is rooted in what we might call stress. This is the process at work in every long run uphill 
or in every set of bench presses that reaches for a new personal record. We build muscles by tearing them down, stressing them beyond their limits. The body reads this as a need for more muscles to meet these new conditions of your life. And so the body builds it. And this works the same way in the brain. Brain building. Okay, hold on a sec. There you go, I need a drink. And this works the same way in the brain. Brain-building chemicals build new cells and make existing cells stronger when placed under stress. Yet, Sterling's paper refines this line of thought by pointing out that the brain is not simply executing all of these controls on autopilot, but is in fact engaging our consciousness and sense of well-being in the entire process. The brain is wired with what he labels a set of carrots and sticks that move each of us to adapt and respond along with the rest. Pain pain is part of this, surely a big stick. But more intriguing is the degree to which all these circuits for adaptation are tied directly to our brain's dopamine circuits. The pleasure circuits and the brain's reward system. Sterling makes the same argument we heard from Robert Sapolsky, S-A-P-O-L-S-K-Y, when we talked about meditation, go Victoria. That is, we get the greatest pleasure, not out of a predictable reward, but out of an an unexpected one. We take pleasure in challenge and get more mindful and focused at the same time by dopamine, which is the carrot pulling us along to overcome the challenges of our survival, short-term and long-term. The flip side of this is anxiety, the stick that pushes us in elemental fears, the most common in elemental fear being, at least in evolutionary terms, in evolutionary times, concern over where your next meal is coming from. The relief arrives in a squirt of dopamine that is the result of of answering that concern every day. Sterling writes this, sensitivity to dopamine also declines because dopamine receptors anticipating high levels have down-regulated. This may explain by why goats, G-O-E-T-H-E, famous remark, nothing is harder to bear than a succession of fair days. Yet the engineering, yet in engineering a society that is nothing so much as a succession of fair days, we have removed the dopamine reward. And so we go mindlessly looking for ways to replace it. Some of us climb mountains or ride roller coasters. More commonly, though, the void gets filled with a suite of addictions, especially to drugs and alcohol, which play to the dopamine circuits, now governed by down-regulated receptors that leave us asking for more and more. All of this suggests that the strategy for coping is not removing stress, or what we call stress from our lives, 
Rather, as we, as we, meaning Razy and Manning, have argued throughout, the real problem, the killer, is the chronic, unrelenting, unremitting series of regular events that wears us down. You can skip a night's, a night's sleep now and again, and it may, in fact, be even good for you, but not day after day after day. You can tolerate and even thrive on, a, on an astounding variety and variability in your diet, even enjoying an occasional slice of chocolate cake. But daily, but the daily unrelenting dose of a big bulk, big gulp Coke will kill you. Every runner knows you build strength on rest days. Dealing with a lion now and again makes you better at dealing with lions. Think about that in your business or in your family life when you've got to deal with the lion. Allowing your life to surmount occasional challenges is inoculation, almost literally against future stress. So this brings us back to the central point of this book, variety. Remember, Rayti argued from the beginning that the hallmark of the human condition is our ability to tolerate and thrive and in a wide variety of conditions. We are the Swiss Army Nice Model. So, if our tolerance for variety is so great, how can we argue that in modern life, with all its apparent variety, wheat, sugar, agriculture, iPads, noise, and the rest is killing us? Much of that answer lies in deciding who each of us is. The neuroendocrinologist Bruce S. McEwen and the researcher Lynn Getz built on Sterling's idea of allostasis by using it to form a strategy of personalized medicine that involves employing specific and complex forms complex information about each individual to decide on interventions for problems. The idea has some currency in mainstream medical modeled medical model medicine, but usually it is couched in the terms of genetics. An individual's course of treatment would depend on sequencing his genome to decide his genetic predisposition to diseases and cures. Yet, McEwen and Getz argue that this ignores epigenetics and the life, life history and that, of, and that those influences are, if anything, more important. Specifically, they argue that there is such a thing as orchid children and dandelion children. This is really interesting. Individuals sorted by their specific tolerance for variability and challenge as shaped by the events in their lives. Dandelion children, they thrive anywhere. But orchids are hothouse flowers. 
how far one goes in the direction of novel challenge and how attentive one feels when and how attentive one needs to be to be safe familiar sorry let me try it again how far one goes in the direction of novel challenge and how attentive one needs to be to a safe familiar base is a matter of where one falls on the orchid dandelion continuum and this is true for adults as well as children but over time and with effort an orchid child or an adult can move toward the dandelion end of the scale and this is growth this is building resilience by inoculation against stress and this is what the book is about rewilding the idea summons an image we use to introduce this book the common sense employed in teaching students of every child development mother and toddler sorry try it again the idea summons an image we use to introduce this book the common scene employed in teaching students of child development a mother and toddler are alone in a room the toddler is clinging to mother to draw strength and foundation and courage and then using that base to leave mother to explore to be challenged and then being surprised in fear and retreating to mother for reassurance and then if mother is good and does her job well the toddler goes off and explores again and grows this is not just for toddlers the evolutionary conditions that changed us are the base of comfort and strength the mother gather that strength and then venture forth to explore variety and wonder of the world the wild and when it jolts you pull back rest grow among people you love and trust whether you're stressed or relaxed well-being is not always about being safe or fed or comfortable rather it is learning to walk the line between the two to balance to move back and forth between them with ease and grace i love this well-being comes from learning to talk to the lions well-being comes from being able to face your fears and take that leap when you're not sure what to do and finding success and even if it jolts you it's okay you can go back rest and try again but never ever ever give up taking that challenge and there you are this is granny d dorcas smith finishing off for the day so may may you take that challenge each day all right let's get going here 